This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hello, folks. I hope you are having a good evening, daytime or morning, wherever you're listening in to for the Lattice Podcast. I have Ollie Tor in the building, Lattice Training Co-founder extraordinaire. I hardly ever get to sit down with this guy and actually do some kind of debating, interviewing, or podcasting. But here he is. I've captured him for a session. Yeah, yeah. Away from the uh, elite athletes and back in the, the podcasting seat. Are you ready for a session of this or that? I don't like this, but yes. I don't like to be pigeonholed, but okay. Yeah, let's go for it. So you don't like to be pigeonholed others, yeah? Oh yeah, but that's not me, is it? Okay, this is this is all good. For anyone who hasn't heard any of the this or that series that we've already done on the pod- podcast, it's really tackling, I suppose, hot topics that a lot of climbers will discuss, debate, talk about down the pub, in the cafe, down the wall, and they're always really divided between sitting on either side of the fence. So I've got a number of topics that I'm going to get Ollie to try and sit on one side of the fence. He undoubtedly is going to want to sit on the fence. That's the kind of guy that he is. Yeah. But I'm going to make him sit on one side. Everything's got a caveat, but I'll try my best. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Kilter board or moon board? <laughs> it depends on the project. <laughs> I, uh, I, I unfortunately... Uh, feel like I've got a relationship with Jackie and Ian from Kilter and with Ben, so I like them all and I think both boards are useful for different things. That's not very helpful, is it? I I personally enjoy climbing on the Kilter board more because it's better for skin, but it sucks to be short on the Kilter board. Moonboarding, I'd say, is better for harder, crimpy climbing. Does that help? Okay, so I'm going to ask you a particular scenario just to see if I can get you to go for one. Okay. I'm training for my project at Red River Gorge. Big, (laughs) steep, pumpy sandstone climbing on relatively good pad and a half edges all the way up this beautiful 40 degree overhanging sandstone wall. I'm going to climb my first 13C. I'm going to be so psyched. Which what I go for? I'd probably say kilter. They're usually bigger. You can get more climbing in, longer problems, more power out climbing. And the holds will probably be allow you to do bigger sessions, which can be more aerobic because they're more skin friendly. So I think Red River Gorge, kilter board would be better. Cool. There you go. Firmly on one side one of the side fence. One side of the fence. Sorry, Ben. I pushed you over, lying in the grass. <laughs> okay, next one. 10 mil or 20 mil for finger strength? Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, I'll try not to be on the fence. So I'd say up to V10, 20 mil. V11 and above, 10 mil. And I'd say the same thing for 8B, 
20 mil. AB plus 10 mil. Scenario, specific scenario. Yeah. It's me. It's you. Tom. Training for finger strength right here mm. on the 23rd of... I don't know what month it is. August. 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 <laughs> 23rd of August. You need to be consistent on a 20 mil because you can't play it off load through your forearms. So 10 mil, I think, yeah, you're just not going to do enough volume on it. And you're the wet skin. So, so who are you sitting in that, that category, though? Just as I said, the standard climbing-wise, A, B and below, and B, 10 and below, I think is probably more fair when it's non-crack specific. So I think that works. Boom. Cool. That's another one. Yeah. Right on one side of the fence. Okay. Arc slash continuity training, so that really low intensity, high <laughs> volume, or high intensity intervals for trait for climbers who are root climbers in base season. Um I say me again, I think it's gonna be a performance level thing for me. I think a root climber that is really fit and high intensity. Uh, sorry, really fit and can deal with a lot of high intensity. So we're going to do the same amount of training time. And, and they can do a lot of intensity and a lot of different styles of climbing. I think I'd probably fit more on the intervals. As long as the intervals are quite long, it's not just four by fours or whatever. Compared to just arcing, if you have to do one or the other, it's like what's going to get them up to something in base season and what's going to transition into power endurance better. That is an odd one. I'd say for most people, if they're doing a bit of strength alongside it, arcing would be better because that's the only way to get the volume in. If they did strength training and they were trying to do interval, they wouldn't be able to get much volume in for most climbers. So arcing means they get more climbing time more time under tension, and they get a polarized stimulus. Great for base season. If you're elite, you could do more intervals, and you could probably do the same amount of time in the gym, just bits of rest in between those interval sessions. So I'd probably sit on that side, but I'm personally biased towards that. And I am trying to learn as much as possible what the best way is. So yeah, hopefully that answers it. Really elite intervals most people polarize it with strength training so arcing and continuity in base phase for a period but ideally mix, mix it up <laughs> so many caveats there yeah yeah <laughs> okay perfect slap this isn't oh, do you know i made a mistake in my questions ollie what's that question four and i've already deviated from this or that <laughs> i've got this 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 or that on my next question well, that, that probably helps me more because I don't like this or that. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, it's written down, so I'm going to have to go for it. Slab, vert, leaning, like lightly leaning, 20 degrees, or steep, like 45 degrees for endurance training. Um, leaning. Definitely. I think... Say if you have, if you had one choice for everyone, what's going to be most applicable to get in the forearms? They'll be leaning. So you have like the people that are training for the cave in Santal and you're really steep. They'd be better off on the steep, but they'd still benefit from the leaning and they can spend more time on it. The people that are training for the vert and the raticon or, you know, really technical stuff or slabs, 
the forearms are going to get fit. The feet will suffer when they go and actually try and perform, but they'll get fit forearms and leaning. But if you did steep, it'd be two big holds for leaning vert slab. If you did vert, you'd train your feet, but you wouldn't be working your arms and shoulders for leaning and steep. And the slab is pretty much only good for slab. And then, yeah, pretty much only good for slab. So yeah, leaning. Okay. Scenario, hypothetical. Someone wants to climb Freerider on El Cap. It's their first big wall free route. What would you choose in that scenario? Um, I'd probably choose that I'd want to punish their feet. I think a lot of it is to do with being comfortable on your feet. Um, but the cruxes are still pretty tricky and they need to climb into them and out of them. Like Enduro Corner is feels quite steep. Uh, you've got the boulder problem where you have to climb into and out of it smoothly and not be too tired from the vert stuff before. You could just do slab, but I don't think that would benefit enough of the forearms. And I think leaning wouldn't do your feet well enough. So vert. Okay. Don't disagree with that answer either. Cool. There you go. Low reps or high reps for strength training? What do you consider low and high? Low reps would be three to five reps and high reps will be 15 plus. For strength? Yeah. Three to five any day of the week. Yeah, 15 and above is great for strength endurance. It does work hypertrophy if you go to failure. I think it can produce strength gains and it works out. Uh, the aerobic um, slow twitch fibers that are really important around like the shoulder girdle, which most people ignore. But if we're talking strength and force production, lower rep range will produce that because the intensity will be higher. You know why I asked that question as well? Why? The number of people I've anecdotally sort of coincidentally met recently who have asked them, oh, what do you get up to in the gym when you go and do your strength training? The rep ranges have been so high. It feels like, I don't know whether I've just randomly come across these people recently, but PTs in outside of climbing this is, uh, advising really high rep ranges. And it just made me think, oh, I'll put that into the question for Ollie. There's a new movement towards failure is everything in strength and hypertrophy, particularly hypertrophy. Remember PTs, they'll link hypertrophy with strength quite a lot because bigger muscle mass, higher force production later down the line. And there is a movement towards that because if you fail, you'll still get the um the hormonal changes, the anabolic changes in the muscle mass. You won't get the same sort of penation angle changes of like most hypertrophy training, but you'll get a lot of that work if you reach failure. But in terms of force production, yeah, effectively they're they're wrong. Mm. It's less on the fence, isn't it? <laughs> okay, next one. Auto belay. This is gonna cause this is gonna cause some shit now. Auto belay or circuit boards for root climbers? Um, in terms of fitness training. So it's interesting this now. I'll give a couple of scenarios that I'm still going to answer. A few scenarios. One is if you noticed how much, say, like a competition athlete, roots now are so traversing midway up the wall. And I think a lot of the circuits that I've set for comp athletes have really helped. Um, and it means you can set better circuits and more powerful ones. Auto belays tend to have terrible setting on them. They're always too hard. 
for the grade and the really weird movements. But as a whole, upwards movement is far more applicable. So I think that is better if they're set well. Um, and you're able to get on them at the right time and so on. But a lot of the walls that I've been to tend to have quite badly set auto belays. So I think it's all dependent. But generally, the more applicable movement, the better. So auto belays for a root climber, you're trying to get fit. If you're a high level athlete, I don't think they're ever going to set well enough for you. So if you're trying to do fitness training on above 7B plus, like actual training on that grade and above, I'd say circuits. If you can do your fitness training on 7B and below, auto belays are pretty applicable. So the 8A plus climber might try and do the area cap on 7A. Auto belay is useful. The 9A climber, I don't think it's going to work as well as the circuit because they'll be trying to do it on 7C. Worked sort of project boulder problems or max limit flash problems for boulderers. Say that again. So worked project boulders, so stuff right at your limit yeah. or things that are at your flash level, but obviously at your flash limit. What's more worthwhile for the boulderer? In terms of what? Training. Improvement. Longevity. Just being a better climber. Uh, I don't know. In terms of like the training, they can only train on one. Yeah. Um, Where do you put your, your money? money? Yeah. You know the thing like when we were talking it's, about earlier, overrated versus underrated and yeah, no. I would say high level climbers, you get a lot out of projecting on hard stuff because they know the process. They've got the work capacity to spend a lot more time on projects. So the 12 and above projects, the 11 and below flash level, because your flash level is usually close to your max compared to a higher level athlete that is able to perform at their best. You there's the, there's the argument of building a strength base. Should you ever fail, like a lot of even like world uh, strongest men coaches, strongest women as well, coaches, coaches uh, they never fail, fail in the training. Uh, they they build they build they build. They might fail on the odd occasion, but they're building up for that test. So you could use flash level as that if it's training, and they'll get you a long way. But I think at the top level to actually understand their movement, you need to be getting to projects. So. If you did pretty much 90% of your training on flash level, then you got to be 11 and then switch mods projecting. I don't see that as being a bad thing. That's completely guessing <laughs> off the top of my head. But yeah, guns to my head, that's what I'd say. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to register that as a pretty sitting on the fence answer. Yeah. Neither. Well, I give you a grade. Give me a grade boundary. Oh, you so this is a grade boundary and a training plan. You gave me a grade boundary and a training plan. Yeah, yeah. So that's more time at your flash level and less time trying to project. There you go. You heard it here first. Ollie just gave away a free training plan on the podcast. I'm trying to think think about my own grades now. Max flash level, he said, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's too hard to say. (laughs) That would be, if if you had guns in your head, sort of thing, that's probably what I'd go for. Maybe pull it down to V10. V10 and then V11 and above it changes. Um, but I'm thinking like the V8 climber, you can project V8, 
probably flash V6 indoors. They spent loads of time perfecting V6s. Would they be a better climber than if they just spent all their time just working on V8s and not doing many moves, not building up a work capacity? Depends what defines a good climber as well. So, yeah, that's a proper defensive answer. But yeah. I'm okay with it. But number two into the weeds. Okay, three more. Half crimp. <laughs> You're going to kill me for this. Half crimp or open four of fingerboarding? Half crimp. Why? Uh, it produces more, it uh, applies more force to the muscle belly than any other position. And that's been found in research. I've read recently. What about a scenario for a. No, I'm getting it. Right, that's it. I accept your answer. You're off the fence. Warm up or warp. Can't talk. Warm up or warm down? Warm up. I think most people don't bother warming down. They tend to be fine. Um, The more frequently you train, the less you need to warm down anyway. But warm up, you just can't miss. Yeah, fully agree. Yeah, it's so overrated, underrated. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, warm up is preparing your body and your mind for a very high quality session. And it's kind of mad that we're still having this conversation. That like, why is warm up even discussed ever in anything? Because it's just a given, and yet every coach tries to tell you the best way of warming up. But yeah, there's videos on it for like all the time. It's like that should just be a done thing by now. But yeah, most of us still don't do it very well. Mm. Last one, and this one is, I think, tricky actually. So it'll be interesting where you go with this. What do you think will produce the world's best climbers over the next, let's say, couple of decades? Those who start young and specialize young, so really go into their field discipline of expertise in climbing, or those that start a little later with the specialization and a really broad in terms of broad spectrum of interests within climbing, but potentially also a broad spectrum of other sports within their younger years and pull it together later. So they start at the same age with the specialization changes, um, the latter. So specialization later. Um, I think there's found, you see that in loads of sports, like Federer was a soccer player, football player until mid-teens. Um, I think competition definitely, less specialization. The one thing with competitions is competition movement is so unspecialized that you could specialize early in being unspecialized. But I do think multi-sport, keep everything moving. Kids don't have talent. They just have what they're given. And you know, talent comes with genetics really. And it only is apparent later on in life when you actually see the genetics coming out. So specialize later. When I say later, I think that should be mid-teens. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Ollie. And we'll catch you back soon. Cheers.